0: Oh, God. You Hallelujah.
1: Happy Sunday morning to you, Victor Outreach Inglewood, and welcome once again to our Sunday morning worship service. I'm glad you're with us. Although I miss us all being together here in the sanctuary, worshiping together, fellowshipping, talking, laughing, smelling the food in the back. Uh, but you know what? We have to make the best of our situation right now and staying home and staying safe is a good way to do that but it doesn't mean that you can't be connected we have uh, virtual bible studies every tuesday night and we'd love to have you join us. Uh, there are three that you can choose from. And please connect and find out how you can be a part of, of the fellowship in the Bible studies. We also have a couple of uh, greetings coming up in just a moment. But I'd like to make a couple of announcements before they come. First of all, during the week of May 10th through the 15th, Victory Outreach International will be celebrating our 2020 World Conference. That's right, our 2020 World Conference. It's actually a rebroadcast of an earlier conference event, but we will be celebrating World Conference that week. And so you can sign on to victoryoutreachinternational.org for more information. Also, for all of you teachers, Sister Debbie would love to connect with you. She's creating instructional videos for our kids so that Children's Church can continue. We want to make sure our kids are connected to Christ. Uh, they may be connected to uh, other things, games and videos and all that stuff. We want them to be connected to Christ. And so we want our children's church to continue. So she's been preparing some of the lessons for the kids. Uh, she's already sent out some videos to some of the kids just to stay connected. And so if you're interested and you're a teacher, you're interested, and you want to be a part of that. You can connect with Sister Debbie. She'd love to have you join her. Now, let's listen to a couple of the greetings from the members.
0: Brothers and sisters, Uh, we really miss you guys and we hope that we can see you guys soon. I just wanted to say that I love each and every one of you, and we just hope that you guys are staying indoors and staying safe. Buenas noches, hermanos y hermanas. Queremos decirle que nos hacen mucha falta, los extrañamos mucho. Esperamos que todos se encuentren bien y que pronto podamos reunirnos otra vez. Cada domingo, cada martes. Cuídense que el Señor les bendiga. Les amamos. We love you a lot. We miss you guys. Take care. Okay? Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Rosie. Just wanted to take this time to say hi. Can't wait to get back into services. Hope to see you guys soon. Stay blessed.
1: I bless you. Good morning, Victor Outreach Inglewood. Uh, welcome to our virtual worship service. I'm glad you're here with us. And uh We're going to be reading from God's Word, Numbers 23, verse 19. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along, your phone app, whatever it is you have. Or you can just listen as I read to you, and you can read it in your Bible later. Uh, Find the story, read the story. But this is what it says in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. And it says this, it says, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man, that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning that we can gather as we are around your word. We gather together this morning... uh, Facing the various circumstances that we face and and although we're at a distance, Lord God, we gather around your word. We need to hear you this morning. We need to see you this morning. We need to know, Father God, that you are present with us and that you are speaking and that your words, Father God, will not pass away. So I pray that you would make yourself clear, make yourself visible, that we would hear your voice. And we ask this in Jesus' name and God's people say, Amen. You know, all throughout the Bible, uh, God is portrayed as the one alone who can speak. And whatever he says, he can make it come to pass. He's a promise maker, a promise keeper. One who is able to say something to someone, a a hopeful word, a word of promise, and see it through to its completion. He made a promise to Noah that he would keep his family safe. And if you can imagine the terror of the times, rain for 40 days, floods all around the globe, and the promise he made to Noah and his family, he kept that promise. His promise was good he made a promise to Abram when Abram was old and and well advanced in his years far beyond childbirth he promised him that he would bear a son and that through Abram that he would make him a great nation he promised to bless him and he came through on his promises he made a promise to Moses and to David he made promises to so many people. In fact, most of the promises in the Bible are all from God. He is a gracious promise maker. And just as graciously, He keeps His promises. And even though the Old Testament has no actual word for the word promise as we know it, the Bible describes God as the one who speaks, and whatever He says is reliable. Whatever he speaks is faithful. Whatever he does, he follows through. He is powerful enough to bring his words to pass. God's promises are unchangeable, as unchangeable as God himself. The failure for Israel to hear God's word and to hold on to them was the cardinal sin for Israel. They were to believe God at whatever God promises, regardless Of what things might look like. No matter how far-fetched. No matter how unbelievable the promise may seem. Israel was expected to hold on to the word of God. To look for its fulfillment. As if the promise itself was more real than reality around them. That's amazing. And today in a world of chaotic upheaval. The changes that we face, the only certain thing we have to hold on to is God and his promises. Now here in this story, it had been 38 years, 38 years since Israel had been delivered from Egypt. They had been wandering for a long time and God had promised them a land. And it was a long time coming. And here they are knocking at the door of the promised land. They were right there, right at the door. But their presence was a threat to the nations that they had to cross through to get to the promised land. And here they are at Moab, right at the doorstep of Moab. So when the king of Moab, Balak, saw them and how vast their army was, he tried to determine whether or not he could fight them outright, mano imano, Can I fight them and overtake them? In a a war, in a battle. And as he saw the numbers, he says, there's no way I can do that. I I have to hurt them somehow. I have to weaken them somehow. I have to, to get at them to break the relationship that they have with their God. And if I can break their relationship, if I can cause them to no longer trust God or trust God's word, then I know that I can defeat them. So he hired a seer. A prophet by the name of Balaam. And you you recall the story. Balaam was the guy who had a conversation with his donkey. Same guy. He hired Balaam to call upon God to curse Israel. To remove the promise. To make it so that Balak could hurt them. Hurt them enough to fight them and defeat them. On his first attempt, the prophet Balaam makes it clear that I, I can't curse Israel, because God had already made up his mind to bless them. I know you want me to curse them, but I just can't do it. God is, He's made a promise to them, and I can't seem to break the promise. So, so he told the king, he says, no, I can't do it. Sorry, dude, it's not, it's not happening. I cannot do this. And so Balak Says, let's try it another time. So he takes him to a different mountain and gives him another vantage point. And he says, you know, try again. See if you could do it from here. Here Here's a better look at Israel. Let's try it again. But this time, Balaam made it clear that God is not a man, that he should lie, nor the son of man, that he should change his mind. Then he says, does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? God wanted Balak to know that God made a promise to Israel. And that his loyalty and and his promises are unchangeable. You can't make me change these things. And no attempt, regardless of how clever it is. No, no matter how, how many schemes you put into the, 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 your, your plan, there is no way to reverse the way I feel about the people I love. You can't change it. It might work with some people. It might work with pe- there are people who will give up and will make promises and not come through. but, but this isn't going to work with God. And so this story reveals the nature, not just the nature of God, but the nature of the enemy of God. An enemy who supposes that as, if, if, if I can be as relentless as possible, if, if I can bring as many suggestions to God as possible, and, and repeated attempts as possible, that God would eventually change his mind about the people That he loves, that I can change what God thinks about them, the way he feels about them, as if eventually in time, with enough pressure, with enough coming back. The same way prayer works for believers, that if I keep knocking, if I keep asking, that somehow the door will open for me, that he'll get God to change the way he feels about you. This is the enemy's plan. It happened in the Garden of Eden. The serpent was able to make Adam and Eve second-guess God. Second-guess God's word. To second-guess His plan for for them in the garden. With just a conversation. It was just a little chat. He He had a talk with them. The enemy had a talk with them. And they lost their reverence for God's command. They lost their reverence for his command and, and before you you before you know it they're like you know hey hand me that apple over there give me some of that fruit and they've changed their mind they changed the way they feel about God and even though people might change the way they feel about God God doesn't change the way he feels about you they lost reverence for God's command they, they lost reverence, they lost respect. It works with people. You, you, can, you can find a way, the, the enemy can find a way to, to, to make people change their minds, but it does not work with God. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man that he should change his mind. If he's promised to love... He will carry out His promise. If He promises to keep you, He will carry out on His promises. Does He speak and fail to perform? Does He make promises that He does not intend to fulfill? Not God. Wasn't this Satan's approach with Job? You think about the whole conversation between Satan and God about Job. Satan asked, you know, an evil question to God there in heaven. Somehow he made his way there to to try and talk God out of his love towards Job. He asked, does Job fear God for nothing? This is what he asked God. Does he fear you for nothing? In other words, you made him upright. You you blessed him. You protected him. You set a hedge around him. You blessed him to the point that he is shielded from some of the harshest, most difficult uh, life challenges that there are for other people. You've protected him. So put forth your hand and touch all he has. Shoot him with a dart of misery. Shoot him with a dart of poverty. Shoot him with affliction and loss. Sprinkle a little COVID on that brother. And I bet he'll curse you to your face. This is what the devil says. This is what the enemy says. This is how he operates. To get God to change the way he feels about people. This is... Uh, So obvious throughout the the scriptures, uh, he asked the same question time and again. And he asked the same question about you in this story here in numbers, Satan functions as an adversary, an opponent against God, against God's people by attempting to accuse them before God as if. God is able to shift the promises that he makes as if God is able to say, OK, uh, yeah, you're, you know, you're right. Let me change the way I think about them. Let me give up on this plan that I have and, 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 and pro, pro, maybe provide a different way for, for them in the future. God is not going to change. God will not change. In fact, the word Satan means adversary, one who opposes and the word devil The meaning of that word is slanderer, the accuser of the brethren. This is his M.O. This is his method of operation. God makes promises and the devil makes accusations. So God wanted to clear up the notion that he might change his mind. God wanted to clear up this thought That he might change his mind. Balak believed that if God had the right information about Israel. If I can tell him the right stuff. Or or if he's confronted so many times. or, Or if I can get him to imagine them at their very worst. That he could possibly change his mind about Israel. That I can get God to think differently about them. But I want you to know that God doesn't see what the accuser sees. When God looks at you, when God looks at His people, the people that He loves, He does not see what the accuser sees. The accuser sees fault. The accuser sees past failures. The accuser keeps notes on you the way a good student would keep notes in the classroom. He keeps notes on you to bring them up in the presence of the Lord. But God looks at His people And he sees redemption. He sees the blood of the Passover lamb. God sees the people that he cares about. The people that he loves. The people that he paid a price for. And he says, the promise I made to you is lasting. Is good. He keeps no record of wrongs. I like what it says here in Numbers 23 verse 21. Just a a couple of verses away. As, as Balaam continues in the prophecy, he says this. He says, no misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery is observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. I, I see nothing wrong with them. And that's amazing. That is amazing. God is watching, but he sees no misfortune. God is watching, and believe me, it's not that God is unable to see those things. God simply is not looking at those things. He sees the people that He loves, but He doesn't see the fault. And there have been many sins that God witnessed in Israel over the years. That last 38 years in the desert. Flagrant sins, but nothing so hopeless that God could not. Keep his promises to his people. Every day they made mistakes. Every day they fell short of the glory of God. Every day they were a nuisance to God. From a human perspective, they were failures. From a human perspective, they had issues in their lives. But as far as God was concerned, they were blameless. And he saw no fault in them. God says, no, I intend to bless the people I love. I intend to bless them. I have no reason to curse. I purchased them. I paid for them with the lamb, the blood of the lamb. I delivered them from Egypt. And I've already committed my love to them. I am not a man that I should lie or change my mind. I'm not going to say that I love them one day and then change my mind about it. I've given them my word. The promise is what you need to hold on to right about now. The promise of God is what we need to hold on to. Has he made a promise to you? Has he given you his word, a word of hope, a word of promise to you, to your family? Hold on to the promise. Hold on to the promise. When the enemy saw that he couldn't get God to remove his covering, he eventually found a way to get the people of God out from under the covering. And if you've read this story, it is one of the most tragic stories in the Old Testament. He couldn't shake God. He couldn't move God. He couldn't change God's mind about the people God decided to love. And so he changed the minds of the people about God to get them out from under God's blessing. For human beings, change is inevitable. We change our minds. We change our commitments. Sometimes we change our, 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 our commitments as frequently as we change our socks. We're always changing. We're always changing our minds. We even violate our own beliefs, violate our faith. We go back on our word. Sometimes it's the, the choices we make. Sometimes uh, it, it, we just can't help it. You know, it's, it, it's, it's the world we live in. You can blame it on, on these times that we're living in. You can blame it on boredom or frustration or peer pressure. You, you can blame it on the rain. Hello. Right. That there could be a hundred reasons why you're not the same, why you're not who you should be. There could be a thousand reasons why you're not the same as you used to be and, and why you're not who you could be. But none of these reasons affect God. They affect us. They don't change God. He doesn't grow up like we, we grow up and change. God doesn't grow up. He he's not immature and, and growing into maturity. He's already grown up. He's already full and complete. Y- you can't get him off guard. You can't catch him in the dark. Or, or you can't find him bored or frustrated or redirected. What was said about Jesus is true about the Father. That He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is changeless, immutable. He doesn't change at all. In Psalm 102, verse 25, David says this. Psalm 102, verse 25, he says, In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish The earth and the heavens, they will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. This morning, there are many parallels between this story and your story. Between... The challenges that Israel faced because of an accuser and the challenges you face because of the same accuser. I find it amazing that the enemy can be so certain, so certain that he has a reason to accuse and curse, so certain that he can change God's mind. By relentless begging. By relentless coming forth to accuse that he can change the mind of God. That is nerve. That's Man, that's some some tremendous audacity. To come to God so certain that he can point a blaming finger at the people that God loves. That he can point a blaming finger at you. It's amazing. And sometimes we tend to help out the enemy. Sometimes we help him out. We often feel unloved by God, the God who made a promise to you. We feel unloved by him. Sometimes we feel unrighteous and unworthy, even though he's made a promise to you, spilt his blood for you. There are times that we feel that we're unworthy and we help the enemy out, thinking that perhaps God doesn't love me. If he can't change God, he changes us. If he can't get God to remove the feelings that he has for you, he changes the way you feel about yourself. And in the midst of the enemy's accusations and our own pity parties, we find it easier to believe the lie. And all God wants to do is bless his people. To give you a safe passage through the desert. The desert that we may be living in today in the face of accusations and plots and wicked schemes. Four times Balak came to Balaam in an attempt to change God's mind. Four times he tried to persuade him, but he could not move God. And if he can't get God to change the way he feels about the people he loves, he changes the way people feel about God. Has he made a promise to you? Has God made a promise to you? Has he given you his word? Hold on to it. Hold on to the word. Remember it. Recite it. Sing it. Man, put it in words and, and, and remember it. Speak it to yourself. God puts himself within your reach through the promises that he makes. And when you say God, you, you said, God, you said, He won't deny it. He can't deny it. Because His promises are as sure as He is Himself. Because God is not a man that He should lie. Nor the Son of Man that He should change His mind. Does He speak and then not act? Does He promise and not fulfill? God has a plan and a purpose for you. And if He's made a promise to you, Hold on to that promise. It is the most certain thing you have in uncertain times. Amen. Let me pray for you and and myself this morning. Go ahead and bow your heads right where you are. And we're going to pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I thank you for your promises. I thank you for the certainty of the gift of your grace and promise to us. And I pray this morning, Father God, in the face of accusations from the enemy, that you will stand, my God, as our shield, as our guard. That you would guard our minds and our hearts. That you would cover over us. Remind us of the words you have spoken to us. Remind us of your truth, my God. Your precious promises, Father God, that we never let go. We understand the plans and the schemes of the enemy. Father God, He cannot change you and what you think about us. But He can definitely work on trying to get us to change the way we think about ourselves. The way we think about you. So I pray your grace, your protection, your blessing. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you this morning. I pray that God has spoken to your hearts. And I definitely hope to hear from you soon. I look forward to seeing you, and uh, we'll be back in our sanctuary worshiping the Lord right here in this place. But until then, be safe and, and go with God. Amen. God bless. You know, the promises of God were described by Charles Spurgeon as being like a check. If you can imagine someone issuing you a check, they'd have to sign the front. And if their name is good, it's good on the check, the bank is good. All it needs now is your signature on the back. Otherwise, it's useless to you. Are there nobler names to put on the check? Absolutely. But it won't do you any good unless your name is placed on that check. You can write Jesus on the back of that check and try and cash it. And they'll ask you for your ID. And hey, you're not Jesus. right? You need to have your name on the check. The promises of God work the same way. Unless you adopt it, unless you make it yours, unless you sign your name on it, it becomes just a great word for other people. And we learn a whole lot about God, but it's not yours. So this morning, I want you to endorse the promise that God has given you. Make it yours this morning and be blessed.